Thank you for joining us on the Smile Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Houston, mom, dental hygienist, author, and life enthusiast. Have you ever thought the universe was sitting back and having a good laugh while seeing how much pain you can actually endure? You are not alone. Every single person has a story, and it's in these stories of pain and struggle that if we allow ourselves, we will find beauty. This is your life, your one and only shot to live your truth. Don't wait for someone to tell you you can. Use your story as power to break free from the past and become who you are meant to be. On this show, I will talk to people just like us, those who have struggled but fought to break free from the past so they could turn their pain into purpose. Stop telling yourself that you're not good enough and live the life you are meant for. For more inspiration, follow me on Instagram at Katrina underscore Houston. That's C-A-T-R-I-N-A underscore H-O-U-S-T-O-N. Please subscribe to the show and share with your friends. Let's be inspired together. Are you ready? Let's do this. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, good. So for the listeners, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Lauren Rizika, and I was so encouraged by your down-to-earth and realistic view on health and nutrition. I know the listeners are going to be as well. So I know your journey into the health and fitness world hasn't been an easy one. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So I first starting into the fitness industry, it was 2003, and I actually was at a really bad spot in my life. I had, you know, just been in bad relationships, and I uh, was 50 pounds overweight, and I was eating fast food, and I was kind of a hot mess. <laughs> and We've all been there, girl. <laughs> and the first, I was just trying to find a job because I had graduated high school in 2002 and just felt lost. And I, I've always been one of those people that I only do things when I want to do them, when my whole heart is into it. And I was like, I don't know if I should go to college. I don't know what I should do. I just want to first find a job and then I'll make the, you know, my own decisions and see where life takes me. And it was at a gym called New Lady Fitness that I applied. And that is, was my first, you know, introduction into the fitness industry. And I think that is actually what the biggest thing that changed my whole life was just getting the opportunity to work there. Um, Why do you so think I started, that was? Was it the, all the people there were super in motivational or what was it about that place? I think when I was at that point in my life, I was very down on myself and I felt lost. And I was around all these women of all shapes and sizes that loved themselves for who they were. They all had goals. They all were going through different things, but still, you know, finding motivation with, within each other. And it was a big family. So some of the women there had, you know, built their career working there and were doing amazing things. And I just felt like I was around so much positivity and so much just mental and physically everyone was just so kind and opening and it was very judge-free and I think I needed a family like that I think I needed 
to be surrounded by people who were doing things that I actually wanted to do or in a place in their lives where I wanted to be. Absolutely. They say, you know, that you're only as good as the company you keep. Absolutely. So surrounding yourself by all of those people definitely could help mold you mm-hmm. and inspire you. Yes. So I had was just a receptionist and then I started and I was still overweight and I was working there and then I started to be like, I am working at a gym and I'm overweight and I get a free membership. So (laughs) I started working out and I saw some results and I was feeling better about myself. And then at that point in time, I got into sales. So I was actually taking people through the gym and doing membership sales and I got a lot of sales training and then I started working out and I started kind of becoming friends with the personal trainers and I was like in awe by them. I mean, they looked good. They were totally motivated. They were just dedicated. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a personal trainer because I want to change people's lives. They're doing it. Uh, And it was kind of out of my realm because I didn't fit the mold. So when I was telling people that I wanted to be a personal trainer, I kind of got some backlash, not necessarily from anyone that I worked with, but just outside, like friends, um, you know, family, just kind of being a little bit negative. Like you have weight to lose. You're, you know, you don't look like a personal trainer. You're not, you know, super skinny or you don't have muscles. So I actually, while I was getting my personal training certification, I made my diet changes and I had lost over 50 pounds during that time. And I was like, I'm going to be the best personal trainer because I've been there. I know how it is to be addicted to food. I know how it is to be emotionally connected and I know what it, how hard it is to lose weight it's not easy but not only that how hard it is to keep it off because we kind of go back to our old habits and I just had my mindset and you know someone once told me the greatest revenge is massive success and I wasn't going to let anyone stop me so do you think that was your biggest motivation at first was trying to prove to everybody that you could do it yeah yeah hey we got to start somewhere sometimes it's not the best reason that we're motivated but it gets us off Mm -hmm. the couch and then we finally find the real reason that you know lights us on fire absolutely and I felt good so making those changes I felt so good that I wanted people to fight through the pain and how hard it was because once they got to the other side and they knew how good it felt to you know be healthy and achieve their goals, they would never go back to the other side. So let me ask you a question. So I remember years ago when I very first started going to the gym, I was so self-conscious because it's like, all right, I'm going to walk into this huge gym with all of these machines that I have no idea what they do. And with all of these people who are just going to stare at me like I'm a moron and uh, I'm just going to do it. And that was, that was really hard to do. And sometimes I would just stand at a machine and be like, uh, Hey, you think that you could show me how to use this thing? 
So how did you stay motivated? Was it because you had friends there that worked there and you knew that they could help you or what was it? I I had the trainers there were just more than willing to help me. So I didn't know how to work out when I first started working out. I think I started, I think how most people do just doing cardio because that made them, made me feel comfortable. And then I had, you know, started doing a boot camp that one of the trainers taught there. And I think the group setting in a boot camp helped me because then I was around other people, other women that were all shapes and sizes. And then, you know, once I really got in depth with it, I would have trainers, you know, write up workouts for me and individualize individualize everything and show me how to use them. And then I just kind of became a gym rat where I was just constantly learning new exercises, learning about the body, learning how, you know, if you wanted this, how you could achieve that type of look and things like that. So I just engulfed every waking moment into learning you know, things that had to do with the body. So was it, were you encouraged because of the look that you might get and how it might affect your physical body? Or was it, you loved the change that it was obviously in your mind and body and you just loved everything about it? I think honestly, at first it was more aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Like I felt, I was motivated by trying to look better and that was my first, like, I want to look better. I want to have a smaller waist. I want, you know, this and this. So first I was motivated by aesthetics, but then once I actually lost the weight, I felt still not happy. And that's where I had to dig deeper and realize that, you know, if everyone was motivated by aesthetics, Everyone would be skinny, but it's just, it's not enough. It's not enough motivation. So then I started more digging inside and realizing, like, in my head, I was still the fat kid. So I was small, but in my head, I just still felt unhappy. And then I had to, you know, realize that there's other things in my life that, you know, are going to make me happier, you know, and that's when you have to kind of fix your mindset But the one thing I think really did motivate me once I got past the aesthetics was I felt really powerful lifting weights. Like once I knew how to lift weights, I loved the feeling of being strong and being in shape. That is so awesome that you said that because it's so true. People think once I get a booty, I am just going to love myself and my entire life. But then they get that booty and that's not the case. So mm-hmm. I love that you said you got to fix what's in your mind first because that is so, so true. Mm-hmm. So Thank what you. did you realize that you had to fix? I fixed my mindset. I think as a child, I grew up, um, my sister, we're nine years apart, but since we're nine years apart, when I was younger, I was always like the chubby fat kid and I had freckles and I had, you know, really wild curly hair. And like my sister was a size zero, you know, she had a bigger chest. I was always flat chested. She was super tan. I mean, she, so I feel like I just, as a small kid, just compared myself to her, even though she would never put me down or anything, but I just, 
you know, you're younger, you're a kid. And so you idolize usually children that are in the same household that are, you know, that are, you know, in your mind, perfect. So I think my mindset is that I, at the time, just always compared myself to other people. And I had to stop doing it and just embrace. I have curly hair. I love my curly hair. And at first I kind of had to lie to myself and just every time I said something negative about myself, I would just look at myself and say something positive. And then over time, I just had so much positive reinforcement. I started building confidence and I'd be like, yeah, I do have, I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to be a size two. I'm going to embrace who I am. And this doesn't define if people love me or not just based off of my waist size. And I had to stop the comparison trap. Yes, comparison is the devil. It will stop you right in your tracks. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I love your hair. You remind me of Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a little punk rock Ariel. I don't. <laughs> so you guys will. Yeah, you guys are going to have to like look at a picture of her because she is a punk rock Ariel. <laughs> I even had to show my daughters. I was like, look at this girl. Her hair is awesome. (laughs) So do you think that you have been able to relate to a lot of people because you're not the typical trainer? Yes. I think if, and, and this is just in my experience over the years, you know, I have had, you know, times where people are like, oh, you're a trainer. And there's like a pause because I'm not completely built and ripped. And I don't think people realize that sometimes the people who are built and ripped, you don't know what's behind their story either. Maybe they're in their blood work isn't good. Maybe their hormones are off. Yes. Um, I'm so glad you, know, you brought that up. Know. I wanted to mention that there's a difference between being healthy and being like ripped. Absolutely. And, you know, you can be. If your body, again, if you are 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 pounds overweight, yeah, you're probably going to, that that isn't healthy. And your body is probably going to have, those blood markers aren't going to be great. But if you're worried about losing 5 or 10 pounds, in all actuality, your body and your blood work is probably pretty damn good. And we get so focused on this number on the scale and it's like, what about what's going on the inside? Your body actually wants a little bit of weight on it because then it means, Oh, she's getting enough calories. Her hormones are, are running properly. Um, you know, even with men, testosterone is good. Their sleep is good. They're not constantly in a state of, you know, fight or flight because they're not stressed over being at a deficit of calories all the time. So I think there's both sides. To the story and I feel like in my experience just because I know what it feels like to be overweight I know what it feels like to be at a healthy weight and still insecure but if there if I went to someone for help and they just embodied everything that was perfect like they just look perfect they constantly are like life is great and every second I feel motivated I'm not going to be honest. I'm not going to be to that trainer. I'm not going to be like, you know what? Sometimes I binge on the weekend or sometimes I go home and I'm really frustrated with my day and I had a bad day and I have a whole bottle of wine. Do you think someone's going to be honest with that person? Right. 
if they feel like every because they feel like they're going to be judged and no one wants to be judged so i feel like when i sit down with people i have such a realistic approach to things where i don't i understand i have so much empathy and i get it you're very um welcoming and um it's easy to talk to you so i can definitely see how your clients can trust you and tell you, Hey, listen, Girl Scout season is here and yep. mama just ate an entire box of Thin Mints. <laughs> I would feel comfortable telling you, but some, <laughs> but you're really welcoming. Like there's some, some people that I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to say I had kale for a snack. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> And the funny thing is, is when people tell me those things like that, I, you know, talk about the stressors and maybe understanding how we cope with things. But I'm like, if you're going to have something, I want you to do it, enjoy it, and do it guilt-free. Because I don't want you having a bad relationship with food. And because when you mentioned stress, stress raises your cortisol levels. So if you're constantly stressed about your life, what you're doing, what you're not doing, you're not doing any, your body, any good. Absolutely. So so many diets out there that Mm -hmm. people get overwhelmed. What do you tell your clients that don't know where to start? Well, here's kind of what I, what I really focus on is learning. I like to give people information and then they do what works for them. Your nutrition is going to change year-round. What you eat during the summer is not going to be what you eat for the winter. What you what works for you that you're eating at 30 may not work for you at 32. So it's learning. I want people to be in tune with their body and how food makes them feel. And that's super important. Yes, if you, if you go from eating like crap and you eat fast food and you don't work out, and then you go ahead and start changing up your diet. And let's say you pick keto or you pick Atkins or you pick, you know, you know, do macro counting. If you do paleo, they're all going to work for you. And each one of them are going to work. But you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't know how to eat. Because what's going to happen is you're going to feel deprived and then you're going to binge. And that's, you know, that's why everyone can lose weight but no one can maintain it because it's a lot of yo-yo dieting. So I like to start my clients out with learning to eat intuitively. Again, you know, I think this whole, you know, the world is like calories in, calories out, yada, yada. Well, that's old science. I mean, 50 years ago, people were walking a lot of places. Now people are sitting at desks all day. There is not a lot of, you know, neat non-exercise activity. There's not that much, you know, activity going on as it was before. So we can't really think, you know, calories in versus calories out. And we can't say a carb's a carb because if you eat an apple, you're going to get a ton of nutrients and vitamins and minerals. Whereas maybe that apple is 20 carbs, but you eat a Snickers and it's 20 carbs. But guess what? Your body doesn't recognize high fructose corn syrup. It does not recognize you know, these red color dyes. So if you put something in your body that it can't use for fuel, it's going to react in a way that's not going to make you feel good. Let's talk about that for a minute. Because 
our society is so obsessed with, well, the high fructose corn syrup, the fast food. I think we're really, people are starting to realize that, you know, fast food is not real food and it's not just a, a treat or a snack for you to enjoy. It's really not doing your body any good. Uh, let's talk about those choices and why is it that these things really aren't good for your body? Because I think people still, they get overwhelmed and they just don't know what is good nutrition versus bad nutrition. They, you know, McDonald's has come mm -hmm. out with a vegan option. I'm still not going to McDonald's. <laughs> right. right. Well, and I think we're doing what we see other people doing that's working for them. So you could eat a certain, I believe in bio-individuality. So what works for one person could be completely poisonous for another. And that has to do, too, with a little bit of genetics, but it's about your environment, your toxins, your sleep, your stress. All of that. So everyone's going in food allergies. You know, a lot of people have autoimmune issues. So it's really learning, okay, I had this sprouted bread. Let's say it's a good quality bread. And then 20 minutes later, you have a headache. You have to go to the bathroom. You feel bloated. You feel really tired. Okay, that's your body telling you that you don't do good with that sprouted bread. It's healthy. It's a cleaner version. It's not, you know, refined or bleach or enriched bread, but it doesn't do well with it. And I don't, I think people get used to feeling bad and they don't really realize that you, your food is either curing disease and preventing it or it's causing it. Yes. Because all of these diseases out there are 100% related to food. 100%. I love that you said that. And I think a lot of times people grow up and they're like, well, genetics, I'm going to have high cholesterol because, you know, genetics, well, genetics is so small. What's happening is you grew up eating, you know, little Debbie's and cupcakes, and that was your comfort food. Maybe you grew up, grew up eating a lot of fried foods, and as, as you got older, you eat those almost every day. That's why you have high cholesterol. It's not because, you know your mom or dad has it. It's because if you stop eating, you know, the trans fat, the vegetable oils, the processed sugar, your blood markers would probably be a lot better. And you can change that very quickly. You know, they also say, they've always said that diabetes can't, type 2 diabetes can't be reversed, but it's been proven that it can with nutrition. 100%. And Type 2 diabetic is food-based. It's food based. It's not type one. Type two is you can reverse it at any point in time. That has to be really encouraging for a lot of people who've been told that once you have it, you always have it. Oh, absolutely. And you could have so many years and, you know, on your life just by, you know, curing some of these diseases or making them manageable. So, you know, autoimmune has a lot to do with leaky gut. And if you, you might not, you know, instead of being on a ton of different medicines, you have to learn, okay, these foods make my autoimmune flare up. So I'm going to stay away from these foods. And if you do that, you could probably live a good life without having a ton of flare up just by staying away from the foods that are causing this leaky gut. So what are some tips that you might have for people who are struggling to 
get motiv- stay motivated or even get started? So I think one thing is being honest and knowing that you're not going to be motivated all the time. No one's motivated all the time, but it's what you do when you don't feel like doing it where you make the greatest strides. So I like people to start with just looking at maybe some things that they could focus on. For instance, maybe someone drinks one soda a day. They could start by just, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It could be, you know what? I drink a soda seven days a week. For the next two weeks, I am only going to allow myself five sodas. And I'm going to enjoy those five sodas, but I'm only going to allow myself five. And then those two weeks go by and they're like, okay, you know, a little bit of weight's coming off. I'm not having as much sugar cravings. Okay, now for the next two weeks, I'm going to focus on, I'm only going to allow myself three sodas. And it's those little, people underestimate the little things that, can really make a huge difference. If I asked you to walk 10 minutes a day, you would be like, well, that's easy to do. That's easy not to do. But if you did that, walk 10 minutes a day, seven days a week, that's 70 minutes, times that by a month, times that by a year. Just think how many calories and how much you know conditioning your heart has gotten just by walking 10 minutes a day. So true. So it's a compounding I think people, effect. Absolutely. And I think people think there's this wagon and they're, they're on and off. They're either eating 100% healthy or they are, you know, exercising to a T or they're doing nothing. And it's like, there is no wagon. This is called life. You fall, you get back up. You just try your best. What do you think are some of the hardest things for people to overcome when getting started on a journey of health and wellness? I think it's misinformation. I think every there's so much information out there and they're getting pulled in so many different directions that they just think they have to diet and they think that eating healthy sucks. I mean, they don't really realize how many good foods and how many good meals you can eat and feel completely satisfied. So I people, I really feel like people don't know where to start. And that's when I would say, go back to the basics of, are you drinking enough water? Okay, I'm going to make sure that I drink half my body weight in ounces every day. I'm just going to start with water. So they hear that. that Tell them why they should do that. So basically, water is the only thing that purifies your body, and it helps with digestion. So your body, if you drink water, especially, I always have my clients start off with having at least 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning to get the, the, the digestive tract flowing and to purify your body, you're not going to have as much food cravings because most of the time when you're actually think you're hungry, you're either, you could be bored or you could be dehydrated. And so it's kind of one of those things where drinking water is so simple. It's so easy to do, but it's so easy not to do. And it's like, if you drink water, you will be less hungry throughout the day. If you drink enough water. I definitely need to do better. better. I need to do better. I think we can all do better with drinking water. Mhm. Oh yeah. Okay. So what what other tips do you have? I would say get moving. So you know, I there they just did a study and they said that if it showed that technically if you're not walking ten thousand steps a day, you're considered sedentary. So you don't have to do some crazy two hour workout, and it shows that. 
20 per, just walking 20 minutes a day can lower, lower your cortisol levels by 100%. So start walking, start moving. Do you think that it's important for people to uh, be members of a gym? Do you think they could do it at home? Because it's so hard for moms that stay at home with their kids to be able to get out and get to the gym. Yeah, I definitely don't think you need a gym. I think you could do some simple things at home, some body weight stuff with no equipment, five minutes a day. Or just, you know, taking your dog or, you know, for a walk or, you know, going to the playground with your kids. It doesn't have to be an hour-long workout. Literally, it could be two to five minutes a day. will work wonders, and you would see results. So how did you overcome the harsh words from critics when you said that you wanted to get into this business? Well, I think just the path that I've led, I haven't had critics personally like put me down as far as on social media or Facebook or anything like that. That was kind of one of those things that when I first started, Instagram wasn't around, Facebook really wasn't anything. So I've had really good support with that. I would say that I've had a lot of pushback from people that I've been in business with or um, shared my ideas with. And I think that it was really, really hard for me to, to overcome that. I think that's really something super challenging is to have someone that you respect and that you care about to really tell you that you can't do something and that you're not going to be anything you're not good enough you're not smart enough did you have somebody tell you that yeah so when I had opened uh, my CrossFit gym so me and my partner Tina opened the CrossFit gym in 2008 and at that time I had actually been working at a uh, like a family-owned gym here in St. Louis and I kind of the owner of that gym at the time was almost like my second dad. I really respected him. I really looked up to him. I built all of personal training there. There was no personal training when I first started. And I had fell in love with CrossFit and wanted to do CrossFit in the back of his gym. And he seemed really supportive at the time. But then as soon as CrossFit was going and I was like, hey, this could be the best of both worlds. You, I could have the CrossFit in the back here, plus you have personal training. You'll be the only gym in St. Louis where someone could go in and use a gym and also do CrossFit if they wanted to. And it was just immediately when I started kind of being successful, you know, with getting clients and people wanting to come to do CrossFit, it was like something snapped. And, you know, I was told that I was never going to be anything. I could never do this on my own and that it was I was just daydreaming and that I wasn't smart enough or savvy enough to ever be successful opening a CrossFit gym. Ouch. I think it's tough because I am very I can portray that you know hey I'm very strong and you know I can take things but with, when it comes, and, that, and I am when it comes to people I don't care about or that I, I'm not friends with, I don't know. But if it's someone close to me, I take what people say and their words that are close to me to heart. So I took it extremely personal, personally, and I felt heartbroken because I didn't have the support. 
he was your support. Yeah. So those words are coming from like the most important person to you at that time, especially in this business. Absolutely. How did you deal with that? uh, At the time I was a lot younger. So I'm 34 now and I was 24 then. And I just was heartbroken. I was so upset. I ended up, uh, my partner team and I opened up a gym on our own and, you know, we loved it. And to me, it was about the community and doing something I was passionate about and that I felt I had purpose. So I just moved on, you know, slowly. And I just had to focus on the good. Like, I just had to be like, this is, these are the things that are, these are the people that are amazing in my life that I am so grateful for and that I appreciate. And I had to focus on what I had to be grateful for. I, I couldn't pour, like keep saying the, oh, woe is me. Like he said this or he said that. I had to be like, I can do this. I don't need anyone to tell me I can't do this. And not only that, I think now if I ever faced any criticism, I always feel like it has nothing to do with me. Um, and it has everything to do with what's going on inside that person. And it it's all of the criticism criticism and just negativity that's their insecurities that's not mine and I don't think so I don't take it personally now because I realize this is there's something going on inside that person that they would feel the need to be you know negative and because I I know I'm a good person and even in business now if someone does something that I feel isn't great I don't talk about it with people because I don't want that energy around. And that's just not how in my mind you do business. And I treat people how I would want to be treated. So again, I think it's just important that you realize that it's not you, that if you believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, then it is the other person's insecurities and that that's not your problem. So even though you didn't have much of a support system at the time and he really was your biggest motivator, uh, mm-hmm. you believed in what you were doing more than you believed in his words. Absolutely. You That's hit awesome. the nail on that. So how do you Thank know you. that what you're feeling is real and it's not what he, everybody else is telling you? Because there, I mean, there, people love to be critics because they love to, they don't want people to rise above them because then it makes them feel insecure. So how, I mean, how do you overcome people's words when really you're insecure and not really sure what to, how to believe in yourself either? I think you have to do some self-reflection and I think it's important for me, I journal a lot and that's what I usually write down like, Hey, the things that are making me happy, maybe the things that are making me unhappy. And sometimes it's words, sometimes it's people, sometimes it's just life. And then I make a list of how can we turn this into a positive? So it's a lot of mindset work. You really have to, you know, do a lot of internal work when it comes to that. So I journal, I read a lot, and I surround myself with really good people. There's no one in my, if someone's not in my life, it's because I don't want them in my life. And not only that, but I think it's, I support 
people doing good things. So I feel like even if I have some backlash towards me or anything, I feel like the more I support other people who I believe in, the more that comes in return for me. And that makes me feel better. That builds my confidence. Yeah, isn't that encouraging? Knowing that you're doing something that you love, but just because you're doing it the right way with the right mindset, it's going to come back tenfold in the positive for you. And you know what is funny? Probably four years ago, I ran into him somewhere, and he apologized to me, and he said, I apologize. I was not nice to you back then, and I was being a male chauvinist, and you are I see you're doing really wonderful things and I, and I apologize. And I felt so much closure in my heart because, and I respected him for apologizing because people do change and people do realize that, Hey, they weren't at at the best place anymore. So I I felt closure and I'm like, isn't that funny? Like if I would have given up, then he would be right. And I don't want to give people that power. When you, when the other people's words put you down, you are giving that person power. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that has the power. Yeah. It's your life, not theirs. And if you let them have the power, they're controlling your life, your destiny. So instead of tucking your tail between your legs and hiding and giving up on your dream, you have really exploded your career. You're doing a lot of awesome things, and um, tell the listeners about that. Well, thank you. A few years ago, I opened, it's called Easy Wellness. It's a corporate health and happiness company, so I help um, employers implement wellness programs for their employees. So I'm also a health coach, and I've been doing that health coaching. So I graduated from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition that's based in New York about a year ago, and I immediately just went full-fledged with that. So I do one-on-one clients, and then I also work with companies. I like working with both sides. So I sometimes it's, you know, I have people of all ages, you know, anywhere from 25 to 70 working with me. Sometimes it's families who want to change for their children and make changes. So I deal with a lot of parents and children and and individuals, but I love working with companies because I love personal interaction with people. And at the same time, I want to make a difference in people's lives. And with companies, I feel like I can hit the masses. So I can go in and talk to 50 employees or 300 employees and I can make eye contact and I can, you know, teach them what I believe true health is. And that's important to me because I feel like everyone, this culture nowadays focuses so much on diet and exercise. And I want to be the one to say, you can work all out all the time and eat right. But if your relationship sucks, if you're stressed about your finances, if you don't get sleep, if your stress, stress levels are through the roof, you're not healthy and you're never going to feel at your best. True. Truth, right there, for sure. So what are some uh, recommendations that you give them? So I usually kind of talk about what is true health. You know, is it just the food that we're putting in our mouth? Is it just being active all the time? And I like to, I have this wheel that I show that it's like, okay, where are you thriving? 
are your relationships good? Are you getting enough sleep? Do you worry about your finances? You know, do you wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety? And I like to kind of break it down. So I usually, you know, I do go through food and what is the best food for, for your body for us all to thrive. But then I also, you know, reiterate that bio-individuality. You know, what works for you? You know, you might be able to eat a ton of fruit, you know, at every meal. And someone else, maybe they're insulin resistant and they have that in their midsection. And at that point in time in their life, they can't have fruit at every meal because it's too much sugar. So I kind of like, again, I like to give people information and then for them to be like, this is, this is what works for me. Or they hear it and they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to eat that because that really has some damaging effects to my health. What are some of the um, biggest nutritional mistakes that you see people making? I see a lot of people thinking that they're doing a diet and they're not. Uh, what I mean by that is a lot of times people will just jump the gun and they don't have anyone that's a professional that they've talked with. So they're doing it all wrong and then they really mess their bodies up. A big one right now that I see is the ketogenic diet. So that is blowing up and it's been around for hundreds of years and it was treated it's originally for epilepsy, for cancer patients, and yes, it works. It works, but people don't really have the background and the knowledge of knowing what the ketogenic diet really is. And so really what I found is people think they're doing it, but really it's low carb and low fat, which is not the ketogenic diet, or they're just living off foods that are still shitty, but they don't have carbs, meaning they're going to McDonald's, they're having the burger, but they're not having the bread. It's like, but that's still not food. Let's go back to eating real food. I think it's the diet mentality. It's the yo-yo dieting. I think that's the biggest mistake people make. So how do people, if they've done that their whole lives, how do they get off the yo-yo dieting? Oh, girl, I was a queen of yo-yo dieting. (laughs) (laughs) I've put on 20 pounds and lost 20 pounds probably like eight times in my life. I'm going to go ahead and say I get it from my mom because I grew up, my mom was a yogurt dieter. <laughs> was she also uh, doing Jane Fonda videos? Because I grew up in a house like that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did the step aerobics. Absolutely. Yeah. With the sweatbands and the weights, the like the two pound yes. weights. <laughs> what was another? Was it Denise Austin? That was another one, right? Yes, yes. Was that the, <laughs> what was the one with the, um, the, the thigh master. Do you remember oh. that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, good times. So I think, so here's the thing. The yo-yo dieting is because we feel deprived and people eat processed food because it's easy. It's convenient. But if you could eat something that was easy and convenient, but also had good ingredients, you would pick that option. So I don't think people aren't cooking anymore. You know, when I grew up as a family, we sat down and ate dinner. And now we're always in this state of fight or flight where 
It's every man for themselves. We're eating, we're walking around, we're stuffing our face, we're eating in the car, we're like constantly in a state of fight or flight, and that just the you shouldn't be stressed when you're eating, and you shouldn't be rushed when you're eating. And when you feel like you are deprived, you're you're prone to binging. So I think people just don't eat. People either eat too much of the bad things, or they just don't eat enough of the good things. You can eat a lot of food and feel satisfied with really good quality food. So what are some of those good quality foods that people should be eating? Well, I think we all can agree that we have not heard any bad news about vegetables in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> My kids would beg to differ. <laughs> so with children, I like to hide the vegetables. So I will do zucchini brownies. That's a big one. And also, I don't say it's healthy because I don't want a child to necessarily feel like if I to have the power in food, to, for food to have the power to be like, if I eat this food, I'm bad. If I eat this food, I'm good. So I don't want to be a bad kid. I don't want that, you know, correlation. So I usually just Put it out and let them look at it because they're very visual creatures and I don't say like this is healthy sometimes I will say I'll make you know waffles for kids and I will say you know these waffles these really help grow your biceps or hey if you eat these these you know this waffle your or this muffin you know you will you know grow really strong or you're going to be able to think really really well you're going to be super smart so I say things like that to kind of compliment them, but I compliment in a way that has nothing to do with how they look. Mm -hmm. My kids will definitely find a piece of green, and they're like, "No, mm -mm, we're not. Gonna, we're not going to do that." But they they realize that they're eating a lot of plants, but like if I don't hide them well enough. Mm -mm. And then you're right. I yeah. had to stop using the word healthy because once the word healthy came out of my mind or out of my mouth, they were like, no, we're not eating tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it is really so much. Uh, they're visuals and they might eat one thing one day and the next day they want nothing to do with it. Oh, yes. Every parent's nightmare. That yeah. A child for sure. <laughs> So you take people to the grocery store and help them shop, right? Yes. So what are you doing when you're at the store? Yeah. So basically what I first do is I go through and I have I give them a list of things that I point out. Like, for instance, we might go through and I would say, hey, have you ever seen this lettuce? You didn't notice it. It's an endive. An endive has the vitamins that are really actually good for eyesight. So if you buy this endive, I would buy, you know, one or two a week and you can, you know, chop it up and put it on your lettuce. It kind of resembles iceberg a little bit. I'm like, you actually, and those are like little things that they're like, oh, I never even realized that there's a lettuce that's an endive. That's a, that's a lettuce. So I kind of go through, you know, even the perimeter, if people have, you know, really sweet cravings, I like to, you know, point out, hey, like these multicolored carrots. If you roast them, they are super sweet. 
and you will love them. Put a little bit of, you know, olive oil or white truffle oil, or if you want to do a grass-fed butter, that's going to be good. So I have the list, and then I'll go through and kind of talk about what are your cravings. And, you know, they will say, I crave Doritos. So I'll take them through and show these are actually the Doritos that these taste better than Doritos, and they don't have, you know, poisonous ingredients that will only make you crave more. There's a new brand out there, CD or Siete. Yeah, there's Siete, and they're a family. And now these, these chips are, like, sold almost every store. And people, I love them, and they're made with cassava flour, which is a root vegetable. And I've had, I've literally tricked people and just put, emptied the bag in a bowl and had them try, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best Dorito I've ever had. Where did you get these? And I'm like, ha, these are healthy. They're not Doritos. <laughs> Get out of my house, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I What yeah. is the brand? I need to write this down. Siete. Okay. And you're on, they're, they're on Instagram, too. They are really doing so many good things. It's S-I-E-T-E foods. Okay. I'm definitely looking at this They have queso dip that's made with cashews game over i will never like the cashew dip it's so good and it tastes like you're eating cheese but it's not it's completely dairy free although that won't work in my house my fiance is allergic to cashews we didn't know this until i made cashew cheese and his legs swelled up and he was in bed for two days oh no (laughs) yeah so listeners you can't your body can (laughs) become allergic to something like in the middle of your life. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to be born with Absolutely. it. It's crazy. Absolutely. Well, that's really interesting. I'm going to need you to go to the store with me and show me some stuff. Yeah. When you get a guide, you get a grocery store guide. And at the bottom, I have a recipe from, from the store that you can use. Do you do this with people who are not in St. Louis? Uh, yeah. You do? How do you do that? Absolutely, yeah. So I do it FaceTime. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then also sometimes I'll do Zoom. So I'll send them the list so that they can print it out, and then we do it together. So we talk about everything together. It's so much fun. So how has your life changed since you broke up with your boyfriend and you made that choice to leave that abusive relationship and mm-hmm. you walked into the gym that day. How have not your overall appearance, but how have you changed as a person? I think now, well, number one, I married my best friend uh, in 2013 and we've been together for 10 years and he is just such a driving force in my life that he's so supportive and He's so understanding, and I would have never met him if I, you know, hadn't left, you know, who I was back because we would not have gotten along for sure. Because when I, at first, when I, before I submit Jim, I was a very negative person, very negative, very um, complaining, never taking responsibility for my own actions. Again, I was young. I was, you know, 19 years old, so... 
I feel like now the place that I'm in today is number one, I am not a complainer and I'm not a whiner. I take personal responsibility. I make mistakes. I own up to them. I'm honest about them. I don't beat myself up over them for too long. And I do a lot of things that I'm afraid of. And what I mean by that is fear is what I think stops a lot of a lot of us from, from doing and doing things that maybe we want to do. You know, we're afraid what people will think of us or that we don't know what we're doing or yada, yada. And it's like now it's like I don't know what I'm doing all the time, but I still do it. And I just learn, hey, I fail. Okay, that didn't work, but I keep get back up and keep going. And I think it's important that we do things in our lives that make us happy. So I am always doing new things that that make me happy. And maybe the things you did a year ago that were making you happy don't make you happy anymore. Then you have to do something else. But life is too short to be dedicating, you know, 40 to 70 hours of your week doing something you hate. It's not healthy. That puts so much stress and um, takes a toll on not just you and your body, but also the people around you. For sure. So tell me something that gets you out of bed each day. I think it's other people. Other people motivate me. And trying to, I, I'm like everyone else in the sense that my good days are I can feel on top of the world. And then my bad days are, it's bad. You know, I'm like, I have a lot of fear or I have anxiety about, you know, I I think I'm hard on myself where I'm like, I'm not doing enough. You know, I need to be doing more. I need to be doing this. I should be pushing harder. I should be, you know, working more on this. And then I have to kind of take a step back and be like, you know, this is a positive thing that you want more, but you should be proud of of the things that you've accomplished. Yes. I struggle with that too. I think we're so hard on ourselves for the things that we didn't get done and we don't pay any attention to the things that we have accomplished. That's, that's a hard one. Yeah. Do you reward yourself for the things that you've done? I would say I, I try to. It's not super easy for me. (laughs) I think it's other people around me who award me for the things I've done more than me rewarding myself. Because it's like I'm always like, ooh, when I get here, then I'm going to, like, do this, and I'm going to reward myself. And then I get there, and I'm like, okay, I got here. Now I need to do this. Where, Mm -hmm. like, my friends and my family will just be like, this is amazing. Uh, This is really amazing what you did. Or So I, I would say other people probably give me more praise than I give myself, but I think it's just because I'm hard on myself. (laughs) And it's hard to, when you're constantly in the moment and going and reaching that when you finally get there, you're like, good, because it's time for me to go on to the next one. We've been here for a while. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, it's not a good thing. I try to reward myself, but that really doesn't happen. And it sounds funny, but sometimes a reward is like, I'm going to have a, you know, I'm going to have a glass of wine. We're going to go out to a nice dinner. We don't really go out to eat that much. And so, or it could be, I'm going to go to um, do, I love infrared sauna right now. So I'll treat myself to an infrared sauna 
or it's little things like that. It's nothing like I'll reward myself by buying me an outfit or going and get my nails done. It's more that internal, internal stuff. Mm -hmm. I will even reward myself with like a Netflix binge. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Like you're like, I need to not use my brain at all today yeah I mean sometimes you just have to do that if you're going to be successful like if if things aren't working you just have to be like okay I'm stepping away and then I'll come back to this when I feel refreshed but it's hard to do that but it's really really important to step away sometimes it definitely is and I think you're like me in a sense where you're like I have to work 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 my life is work but it's like at the end of the day, if you're you if you give yourself rest, you can be more present for others. And also, if I if I'm on my deathbed, I know I'm not going to be like, well, I wish I would have done this. I would have, you know, I wish I would have accomplished this as far as I don't know, being on, you know, doing this extra work. I'm not going to be thinking about on my deathbed the work I didn't do. I'm going to be thinking about all the memories I made with awesome people in my life. And sometimes it's like when I get to a point where I'm like so overwhelmed, I'm like, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm like, you need to go take a break and you need to not work for until you have got the creativeness back and you need to just stop. Yes. So what do you say to the lo- those listeners who they never reach that picture perfect body image that society makes us feel like? everyone should have um but they're still healthy inside what do you say to that person to keep them motivated and inspired to keep going and just being happy with themselves i would say to them that aesthetics is not going to guarantee your happiness and that there's a lot of other things that we can bring to the table that are more than just aesthetics. And we have to go beyond this. We have to be better than what we think society wants from us because at the end of the day, it's us alone and we need to not care about five or 10 freaking pounds. Like you're someone's child. So that's kind of what I always remind people. Would you want someone to talk to a child the way you talk to yourself? It's got to change. we got to break the mold. Right. Focus on being happy with yourself, and the rest will fall into place. Yes. With a little bit of proper eating and at least yes. moving your body. <laughs> you can't just you, – you're not yes. just going to imagine – that you're that mm-hmm. you look like a supermodel is not going to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've tried that. It's, yeah, <laughs> and I still wake up looking like me. <laughs> well, and it's hard, and I get it. But I always tell people, like, have you met someone who you didn't right off the bat you didn't find them like physically like super attractive? But then once they start talking and you get to know them, you're like, they are so witty, or they are so funny, or you're like. They have the prettiest eyes, or I love that birthmark that they have on their arm. But it's that personality, and it's the same way. You can meet someone that you think is just knockout, gorgeous, like perfection, and then you meet them, and you're and you start talking to them, and you're like, I can't stand. Like you start like picking yes. out 
things that you wouldn't see, you know? Yes. So my celebrity crush. <laughs> I want to hear it. Is Kevin James. Okay. Because he's just so funny and I love everything about him. He, yeah. he, he should lose a, a couple of pounds for health reasons, but God, I would marry him. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> can you imagine someone that makes you have the best time of your life and you know that's him? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Who's yours? <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think we might have that in common. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now I have others, but he's the one that, yes. uh, that surprises people the most. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I tell my girls all the time? They'll they'll say so my 6-year-old just recently started saying the word sexy. And I'm like Okay. No, 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 no. We we don't use that word. And she was talking about a character in one of her books. She was like, "I think sparkle is sexy." I was like, "No. You don't even know what that word means." And she's like, "I think it means fancy." I was like, mm. So is sparkle like pretty on the outside or sparkle pretty on the inside? You know, like trying to talk to her about it. It's people get so focused on image versus, you know, the quality of the person. So we need to work on ourselves on the inside before we focus so much on the outside. And I think if you put and not put so much emphasis on the outside. Absolutely. And I think the more you start focusing on things on the inside, the outside is going to change the way you want it to. Yes, for sure. So let me ask you one more question. What is something that makes you smile? Something that makes me smile is cuddling with my dog. (laughs) Because how many dogs do you have? I have two. Two. Okay. And what kind of dogs are they? So I have a golden retriever and a Dane mix. Oh my gosh, a Dane what? It's like a mix of he is a mix of Dalmatian and Hound. Oh. Are these dogs yeah. on your Instagram? <laughs> yeah, he's actually newer. He just came into the household one month ago. So he's very new. Is he gonna be Dane size? He's going to be a little bit smaller. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to show this to my six-year-old because we want a Great Dane, but she's in love with Dalmatians. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can bring Baxter over any time to play. He likes to play. Oh, my gosh. That'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, I am so grateful that you came on the show to share your story, and um, I love that you're inspiring women and men to and children (laughs) to be themselves and to work on the inside. And um, I love that you didn't listen to what people said to you and you listened to your heart and you're going out there and you're changing lives. So thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story with the listeners. Emily, where can our listeners find you? So the listeners can find me on my social handles. Facebook and Instagram are the same. It's Emily Zwilling, Z-W-I-L-L-I-N-G. You can also visit my website. It's www.ez-wellness.com. And there I also, people can 
join my Easy Academy and get all of my worksheets, visit my blog and, and recipes and health tips and everything from there. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope your listeners found some value out of this as well. 